Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Brad, you have a newborn, a a shoulder that's torn to shreds by all accounts, and strep throat. And somehow I'm the bigger mess of the two of us today. (laughs) (laughs) By a lot. (laughs) When we were talking before the episode, I, I didn't mention it. And I didn't even really think about it. See, the trick is to go so down the rabbit hole of despair that you just hit the pit of apathy at the bottom. Mm. And that's where I'm at now. Okay, quick question. Asking for a friend. Just pretend you live all the time in that zone of apathy. Yeah. And then things get worse. Then what? The apathy grows. I no longer (laughs) feel feelings. It's like, I know I love my kids and wife, but beyond that, really, what is there? This is a stark departure from the Brad of uh, Mika's birth (laughs) in like the first few months after. You were like very happy-go-lucky. I could enjoy every minute of it. Right now, I can't even hold my son. (laughs) Well, you can. I can. Crystal has to literally hand him to me. I can't pick him up and or put him down. I mean, in any proper way that a parent should. (laughs) Sure, I can grab him by the top of the head. You run like how LaShawn McCoy holds a football when he runs (laughs) in open field. (laughs) Arm fully extended. Yeah. (laughs) Shoulder height just by the top of the head. His hands and legs just flailing around. (laughs) Oh, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. We are shorthanded in a desperate number of ways. Was that a shot at me? (laughs) Yes, it absolutely was. It was a shot at myself. Just to give you guys an idea of how out of sorts I am. uh, I posted the 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 threads and the tweet that usually come pre-show um yesterday yesterday evening for tonight so i do it i try to do it a day in advance and i didn't realize that i wrote everywhere <laughs> that the episode was coming wednesday night it wasn't until rowan messaged me and he's like hey where's the episode and i went how do you mean where's the episode i'm in bed man and then he sent me a screenshot of the tweet and it said coming wednesday night and i went oh god damn it and I went and I put it on Twitter and I put it on Patreon and I was disappointed a lot of people. Today I'm without my laptop. I was on the road for 45 minutes for what should have been a 15-minute drive to Brad's place. I uh, didn't have my keys at work. Today was the first time I drove my car in three days. It's just... Uh, I made it. I think the Red Wings are sapping my life force for their success right now. It's the only explanation. This is true. We can't just be unilaterally happy. Hey, it could be worse, though. You could have uh, my Tuesday night story going on in your life, and that's... uh, What happened to your Tuesday night? How I almost threw my shoulder out again. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Toilet wrestling. Yeah. Uh, To spare you guys the dirty details, Brad's daughter hates using the potty. Oh, she loves using the potty uh, for one of two functions. Yes. And she hates the second one. She hates number two, and so Brad one-handedly had to <laughs> hold her there. Force the issue. And on that note, we're going to mention that this episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Labatt. Uh, celebrate with Labatt Blue and the, Detroit, and the Detroit Red Wings all season long, especially over uh, unlikely victories on their West Coast ro- road swing. Find your specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer to hashtag on with Labatt. Keep your eyes peeled for limited edition Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light team cans. 
And remember, they are the official Canadian beers of the Detroit Red Wings and getting the Winged Wheel podcast hosts through the toughest of times. Yeah, I might have two, three, or 12 tonight, <laughs> honestly. And that's not even just because there's a hockey game on. I legitimately forgot about that. Yeah, LA Kings at 10. So you guys will be hearing this before we rec- or before that game uh, happens, or we recorded before that game happens. Um, and we are coming in post the Anaheim game. So the last time we talked was, yeah, there was only the Anaheim game, um, which is, our, I, I our, don't want to say a prototypical Red Wings win, but anytime the Red Wings do win, they kind of do it in this fashion, how they did against Anaheim. Well, the road trip's going exactly as we expected right now. The Red yes. Wings beat one of the good teams. They're playing a dumpster fire of a team tonight, so I'm fully expecting the Red Wings to get absolutely shelled. Oh, 100%. It's going to happen. A team coming in that's bad and full of controversy. Of course they're going to hammer the Red Wings today. You know what's going to happen? There's going to be an injury in warm-ups, okay, <laughs> for, the LA, for LA. Yes. Ilya Kovalchuk's going to draw into the lineup because he's the only guy they have available, and he's going to pump in three power play goals. 100%. And he's going to point at like the press box at the GM or whoever else. And it's going to be a whole big thing, and he's just going to destroy the Red Wings. He's going to skate to the net, pick up each of those pucks that he scores, skate to the bench, and hand them, sign them and hand them to Todd McClellan. Hmm. I'm sad because it's true. I'm sad because everything that we've predicted over the last six games has happened. After the shelling that the Red Wings received at the hands of, I want to say, yeah, the Rangers, uh, Evan tweeted out, well, the next three games don't get any easier because it was Boston, Vegas, and Anaheim. 4-2, 3-2, and 4-3 in favor of the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. All regulation wins. Right? All Yeah, all those were regulation. No. Anaheim was overtime. Anaheim was overtime. That's right, because of Cholosky. Um, and Fabry. And Fabry. Oh, we're going to talk about Robbie Fabry. Oh, our boy Fabrizi. So the Red Wings have L.A. tonight, and they finish the San Jose road trip on Saturday night before we talk to you again uh, next Sunday. Um, that Anaheim game. Again, it, it's kind of how the Red Wings have been doing things. The first period, not bad, I would say. Like, pretty decent as far as the Red Wings go, especially against a good team. Mind you, they were down, uh, who is it, Manson and... Uh, they had another key injury on defense. Enough, enough players, enough players were out that it it benefited the Red Wings. Are you using a highlighter to scratch? <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what my life is right now, Ryan. You were reaching over. I was like, "Can I help you, sir?" I can't move my arm past here, and the itch is on the on my left tricep. I'll scratch behind your shoulder blade for five dollars. <laughs> not itchy right now but i'm keeping this here just in case uh the red wings and then uh the red wings started out the second period with a terrible start it was two goals in a minute i believe yeah two goals in the first minute of the second period the coach's challenge for um goalie interference here's my hot take i think it was the right call to challenge that i'm actually kind of blown away that they didn't overturn that goal this is the exact type of ticky-tack call that they're trying to get the... This is why they put the two-minute penalty in place. Because they don't want coaches challenging things that are this unnoticeable until you look at the fine-tooth comb on the replay. Did Buddy kind of bump Bernier's glove out of the way? Yeah. Based on where Bernier's glove was and everything and where the puck went in, would he have got it? Eh, probably not. Was the Red Wing involved in kind of taking away the Ducks' uh, lane? Yeah, so it's back when in the goaltender interference 
Apocalypse not that long ago where everything was getting overturned. Yeah, this one would have 100% been overturned. Yeah. But this is also the exact type of one that every fan was just sitting on their couch going, oh, come on. Yeah. Well, I can so as, soon as, as soon as I saw it, I knew it wouldn't be overturned because of that reason. I wasn't overly upset that it wasn't overturned, um, but I, I did think that, that it was enough to at least take a like get a look. But it's Jeff Blaschel making the challenge, and so... <laughs> hey, this it, was his first loss of the year. Yeah, it was. It absolutely was. Um, Mika just got home. Uh, updates on the house. We have run into some holdups, but the upstairs should be done by this time next week, I think. Nice. So, and the upstairs includes the studio. Dope. Uh, yeah. So the Red Wings then continued to get scored on, or they got scored on twice. Uh, Hronik did score from his office on the left side. He is absolutely on when he. It's the Ovechkin spot. Just like yeah. sits on the left near the top of the circle, maybe a little bit further to the left uh, of that spot. And what he can do with that shot, like he frames his body in a way where he's trying to go close corner, but oftentimes takes like a weird almost like intentional whiff of a shot to put it opposite corner it, whatever he does it's it's incredible he's been able to switch it up which way he's shooting and uh he beats the goalie a lot they're <laughs> the dogs are going nuts they're very happy to see him. yeah they're they should continue feeding him and heronic is one of the consistently brightest spots on this team now uh, as you mentioned to me before the show, he was held out of practice today. Yeah, he may or may not be playing tonight based on last update. And if he is out uh, for any period of time, we can just basically safely assume the Red Wing season is over. Oh, yeah. There's nothing left to be. There's, There's nothing. N- no more happiness. Yeah, no, we're done. Uh, the Red Wings went down 3-1. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu scored off of a perfect tip from a uh, Valtteri Filpula shot. Now, that was an intentional shot by Valtteri Filpula. He intentionally looked at the opposing team's net, moved a stick in a manner to uh, direct the puck towards said net. So that was not a fluke. Uh, Athanasiu had a wonderful tip, um, but of course he was minus one on the night, so that's all people are going to focus on. Uh, Athanasiu has been heating up. Yes, he has. Three goals in five games now. It's regression back to the mean, because when he wasn't scoring, he was still playing well, and he was still generating a ton of chances. Like, there's no way that was going to hold up. It's amazing how averages and percentages work. Yeah. Um, I don't care if you're in team trade Athanasiu or team keep Athanasiu. To think that he was all of a sudden going to become a dud after last season, no. Like, he's doing absolutely fine. And he's finally, the the bounces are going his way a little bit. So hopefully that continues. Um, the Red Wings down one, scored, <laughs> were on a power play. And then they had the net pulled for a six on, or the goalie pulled for a six on four, and then got a six on three, which is like ridiculous. And I love when that happens. And I can't remember the last time I saw a Red Wings six on three. You barely ever see it in hockey. And I'm glad they kept the goalie pulled for that. So uh, the way they ran it was actually kind of stupid. Like they just kept putting the puck into like stick traffic. I'm like, why? Keep it away. And then the puck bounced out to Larkin on the side, and he fired it in. Uh, between the goalie's legs from a, an acute angle, which, of course, that's how they're going to score. Um, Larkin tied the game and was the hero. And then in overtime, much like Madison Bowie, the game prior, Dennis Cholosky was having a notably bad game. Like, I thought he looked terrible out there. And I think he's looked bad ever since we came out and defended him in the episode when maybe, he got scratched. Maybe just maybe Blashill's method doesn't work. Maybe instead of it being a, a, a learning lesson to a healthy scratch guy, maybe it breaks his confidence. I don't know. Weird how that works with a defenseman whose entire game revolves around his confidence and ability to assert himself into the play. 
anyhow, his um, his new favorite teammate, Robbie Fabry, again, made another fantastic play. Um, really ran the play from the like the sideboards closer to the offensive zone. Uh, called off Larkin, put the puck into the middle for Cholosky, who was streaking up the ice, who stepped in and sniped it. Like, absolutely sniped it. So saved a terrible game with a clutch goal, just like Madison Bowie did in the Red Wings won. I found myself cheering in a way that I have not been doing in a long, long time with these Red Wings. That's good. I was snoring when that puck went in. I know. I, <laughs> it was so funny. Because you you, like, we were talking, we were tweeting, and then all of a sudden you just stopped. Yeah, there was. I think it was five minutes into the third period. I, I literally woke up. Like, my phone still kind of like just a couple inches from my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like four in the morning and I'm, I didn't even bother checking the score. I'm like, I'll watch the last 10 minutes tomorrow. <laughs> and then just roll over. Well, I didn't roll over because I can't. No. And then just went back to sleep. I was like, Brad, man, Brad's missing a good one. I, why did he tune out so quick? I'm like, yeah, he's a new dad. He probably fell asleep. And look at that. You missed a good one. Uh, oh, I, re- I watched it. Yeah. It's been a blast. Like, honestly, I don't care what you think about the tank or anything right, right now. It's one, it's so early in the season. And two, they're going to lose plenty of games in the future. Um, watching them beat Boston, Vegas, and then Anaheim has been an absolute blast. Um, yeah. Just a good way to end that game. Having having Cholosky redeem his game with that goal was good to see. Because he was having a bad game. Yeah. And it's important to note, the guys we need to see succeeding are the ones who have been succeeding. Mantha, yeah. Bertuzzi, Larkin, Athanasiu, Fabry, Heronic, Chalosky with the game winner. Uh, the one other thing we need to talk about that we forgot to put in the pregame notes. The now definitive starter for the Detroit Red Wings, Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, we should talk about that. So it's the guys you need to see succeed are succeeding. And I know we all have... Our love for Jimmy Howard, because Jimmy's been in this organization for 16 years, yeah, plus over 16 years, and uh, as always, we should endear him, but from a practicality standpoint, we need Bernier to be the better goalie. He's a guy who's under contract for next year. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he has been is a positive development. He's not been lights out, but he's been average. And average is good for a rebuild. Yeah, a lot of people are getting hung up on the numbers and the whichever way you shake it, neither Jonathan Bernier or Jimmy Howard are going to be outstanding goaltenders right now. But the starting job is what that does is it allows the starting job to be a little bit more fluid. So if Jonathan Bernier who is the one who's playing <laughs> what was that? Oh, you know what? I am gonna miss this place in a way. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> Jonathan Bernie playing better. He's no longer stuck behind a starting goaltender who has that name reputation because they're on a better team. It allows that fluidity. And the fact, like you said, because he's under contract, it is substantially better that he's able to at least play through these streaks and have good games and not be completely broken by it. And that's not a knock on Jimmy Howard. Nothing about this is about Jimmy Howard. We know Jimmy Howard. He's up and down. Literally any goalie in the NHL on this hockey team would be up and down considering how they get shelled every night. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Bernie absolutely, absolutely is a starter. I've seen some argument one way or another, and I, I just am confused as to why it would even be an argument. The easiest conversation a bad team can have is who their starting goalie is, because does it matter? Like, no, there's no substantial uh, risk here by switching out who your goaltender is. Uh, the only risk I would say there is is the last three game stretch being a good example. Um, 
because you look at the Ranger game before the winning streak, eh, the Red Wings didn't play terribly that game, uh, but Jimmy Howard did. So in what was probably an all right game that should have been a close game looked like a 5-1 blowout, and that's not helping anybody's confidence. Now, had Bernier given up a ton of bad goals in the last few games when the Red Wings, by all accounts, played really well, to come out of those with losses be pretty demoralizing. So that's fair. Yeah, no, that's really from fair. that standpoint, it matters. But you're right. Every other standpoint, no, it's yeah. it's irrelevant. You know what? Good for Bernier. Yeah, I'm not going to say this is what he came here to do. I'm sure he came here to be a starting or try to be a starting goalie win a lot more than he did. But the reality of the situation is the Red Wings currently have both of these goalies under contract to just get them through this. The long-term plan isn't Jimmy Howard. The long-term plan isn't Jonathan Bernier. Really, the only big loss here is Jimmy Howard's not having the same season he was last year, and so his trade value is significantly decreased. But stranger things have happened. A team could want him for super cheap, and then Detroit gives him up for, like, I don't know, fifth or something. We'll just package Green and uh, Howard together to somehow work our way up to a third. <laughs> you know what? Take it. With the way both of them are playing this season, I will give it to Green. There are certain offensive plays where I find that he's one of the only defensemen who can do what he's doing to keep that offensive play going or generate it. But so many other aspects of the ice, he's he looks like a Detroit Red Wings defenseman is the best way I can describe him. And just and it'd be nice if those offensive moments happen more than once every three games. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, the only other thing is, oh man, all my notes just got completely screwed up. Uh, the one thing I want to talk about again is Robbie Fabry. He is not a fluke, right? Like he's not this isn't a guy who's just had a not like a decent first couple of games and had some bounces go his way. He is putting himself in the right spots. He's making the right play. He's got a high hockey IQ. The guy knows what he's doing. He can't drive a line. He can't be the guy on the, if you put him down on the third line uh, with let's say Ernie and Nielsen right now, he's probably rocking a solid goose egg at this point uh cuz he's not a line driver. But that's okay. Most that's players aren't. Fine. He's a highly skilled, highly smart player. Not the quickest guy in the world, which is going to happen with ACL injury, but quick enough. But he just gets to the right spots at the right times and makes the right play. And uh, they're not the same type of player, but in the same. I don't know how to phrase this in the same wave of thinking when you're slotting a Tyler Bertuzzi into the lineup. Oh, absolutely. You're You're not putting those guys in there and saying, this is the guy that's going to carry this line. This is the guy that's going to bring the guys up around him. No, no. This is the guy you put with an Andreas Athanasiu, or you put him with a Dylan Larkin, and he will do very well there to not slow down the other guys on the line, but also when given the opportunity to do his thing, is going to do it. Yeah. So the reason, and which leads me into the point, the, the true reason I think the Red Wings actually have been doing well lately I'm not going to say it's upper tier. I'm not even going to say it's an above average. But with Fabry, with Philpel and Athens on the second line and the big line being as they are, this is now a, a competent top six. Yeah, I think so. Every player that's playing there, with the exception of maybe Philpel, are legitimate top six forwards. Now, again, on a Stanley Cup team, the skill level of no, these guys no. is higher. But as evidenced by the fact that Fabry couldn't crack a Stanley Cup roster. Exactly. But the fact that all six guys in the top six are legit top six players, it now does not mean the Red Wings are at the mercy of the matchup. Yeah. Which is nice, especially being on the road. You know, Larkin and Mantha and Bertuzzi are going to get extra attention and probably not going to put up three, four goals a game. So they need some secondary scoring. And Athens, CU, Philpla, and Fabry have been providing it. Mm -hmm. The third line, the, uh, the donut line. Still the donut line. 
the fourth line is not savable, if we're being honest. Nope. But well, it's they, they don't lost need to star De La Rose. Yeah, they don't need to play a ton anymore. This is fine, and this is fine. Again, it's not good. It's not great. It's not great, Tom. Competent though, and that's a huge step up because that second line at the beginning of the season, I think we actually had a conversation on this podcast about is that the worst second line in the NHL, and we came to the agreement that yes, it probably is. Probably, yeah. You know what a big uh, big factor is in uh, the second line looking like a legit second line. Valtteri Filippo has a, has had a great few games. He's looked good. Yeah, he's been passable, he's, competent, he's competent. He's been doing what he can do. Filippo is never guilty of trying to do more than he should be doing, like Abdulkader maybe. Um, Except for that one goal he had with the Islanders last year where we went through like nine guys. Yeah, he's weird like that, eh? He has he has one a year. And yeah. you're just like, Whoa, do that more. And then he's just like, nah. <laughs> no. He's like, that's rude. Uh, no, but I think he's looked good. And I think a lot of that has been the personnel around him. I think putting him with Athanasiu took a little bit of uh, time to to kind of set. But those gears are aligned now. And, and they seem to be working well together. There have been two or three accidental goals between them and... A couple other like really great plays where they've worked together, and now with Fabry, um, they're able to. Oh my God, is your infant son still crying? Yep. Tell him to grow up. Oh, my life's hard. Listen, man, you want to you want to know what's hard? Winter hits while you're away on vacation, and all of a sudden you don't have winter tires on, and you can't drive anywhere because the roads are the mess because the city that you pay taxes in doesn't clear the damn roads. That's what's hard, Henrik. On the plus side, I have a buddy who owns a shop and had a last-minute cancellation today, so I was able to get the winter tires on one of my vehicles. Can your buddy uh, be my buddy? I mean, I'm still waiting on one car to get in. So oh, maybe. you already have a car. What, do you have two kids? Anyways. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Philippe has been good, and I think with Fabry there, you know, having F- Fabry and Athanasiu to do all the tough skating and Philippe just to be, kind of be in the right place and move the puck to them when they need it, I think that's been a very decent second line for Detroit. Well, it's been a good line by Detroit standards. So having someone else other than the Larkin Bertuzzi mantle line, like you mentioned, is key for Detroit to have any success and key for the fans to have any kind of fun this season, uh, which is important because it's going to be a long season. And otherwise, these 1030 games would not be worth watching. Remember at the beginning of the season, we were joking how basically Philpula and Nielsen were the same player and they were interchangeable? Oh, so off. Oh, Philpula has eight more points than Nielsen right now, 19 games in. So uh, times that by four and he's on pace to outscore him by 36. Obviously, that won't hold. (laughs) Um, You have to put money in the donation jar for saying times instead of multiply. That's going to be my thing with you is grammar. (laughs) <laughs> All you're going to do is drive me to make it worse on purpose. Don't do that. Don't do that to the people. Um, Jonathan Erickson, recalled. Guess who's back, 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 back again. <laughs> I uh, I made some stupid joke about, like, excited to see this kid. Or excited to see another young gun from the uh, Griffins get called up. Looking forward to seeing what this kid can do. And I left it up for like 30 minutes before I realized I had an egregious typo in the middle of it. I was like, oh, God, I can't get anything right. Just do what I do. Make so many typos that nobody calls them out anymore. Yeah, it's actually a good strategy because I see it. I don't care. I'll yeah. proofread it. And if I don't read it on my quick proof, if I don't catch it on my initial quick proofread, most people won't catch you it. You keep your like uh, review mantra. You hold that throughout your life. eh? Like if you, if the refs didn't couldn't get it right on how fast that play happened in real time, then there's no point of going back and double-checking. Life comes at you fast, man. I disagree wholeheartedly, but 
Anyways. Yeah, how'd your day go? <laughs> I got to go paint later. That sounds awful. Crazy that your shoulder's busted right when we're about to paint the, the studio, huh? We And Ve- Evan's on vacation right when we're about to paint the studio. Funny how that happened. I can send you some child labor if that helps. Uh, Mika would not be helpful. No, no. She would be something. Helpful is not one of them. And we don't need more whiners like Henrik. I haven't seen him yet today. Yeah, he just got home. No. Um, okay. Spoiler, he's still adorable. I knew it. We got to talk about it again. Because the news has changed since the last podcast. You take it away. Don Cherry gets the boot. I'm not going to lie. I'm surprised this happened. I'm shocked that they actually went through with it. And I don't know how I feel about it. Really? I I think it was objectively the right move. Uh, It was a ballsy move because as we've seen by the outlash, like the outpouring of support for him after, uh, they're going to lose a lot of viewership, which is going to be dollars out of their pocket. So they're, they're taking a direct financial hit with this move, but it was still the right move. Um, I have not seen Canada so divided, and we just had an election. Yeah, this reminds me of the 2016 American election, honestly. It's just like a civil war could start over this. Yeah. Um, Although, like 20 people showed up to that protest in front of Rogers. Yeah, I think someone saw a tweet. Someone said more people showed up protesting outside the Bell Center when the Habs didn't re-sign Kovalev, but that's okay. (laughs) So, let's... brutal. So, everybody... Who defends Cherry? The two arguments that are coming out most prominently are that wasn't what he meant, or everybody's just too soft. Just suck it up and deal with it. Now, to play, I don't agree <laughs> with either of those, but let's play devil's advocate because it's not a conversation unless we do, right? Okay. Is there, is society becoming too soft? Well, that's debatable. Sure. I could see the argument there. Whatever. Uh, is that he didn't mean to say that he meant to say everybody like everybody. Okay. He didn't explicitly say those brown people or those Asian people, but we know what he was saying, but okay, fine. He didn't explicitly say it. He didn't explicitly say immigrants. And then on the other hand, those can both be true and it's still racist. (laughs) So if he didn't go, because uh, again, I I'm admittedly coming back from a guy who grew up and and was a fan of Don Cherry. Like, oh I, yeah, me too. I, I've always loved the guy. So I, I I feel bad sitting here and dumping on a guy that like I've been I worshipped when I was a kid growing up hockey. I own almost every Rock'em Sock'em up until two years ago. Um, but man, it's even with his best intentions. All assuming they are true here. Something still needed to be done. Maybe suspension. Maybe they didn't have to go to firing right away. Because, man, the dude has given his life to CBC. He's been there basically the entire longer than I've been alive. And I'm the old man of this podcast. And that is worth something. But if it wasn't coupled with all the... Let's we'll just call it summarize it by saying European hate throughout his life. Mm-hmm. I'd give him the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah. But the fact that he's been so willingly to single out we'll call it other cultures his whole life, it doesn't you can't give him the benefit of the doubt. You just can't. And that's the reality. Again, no matter what side of the fence you sit on, 
you just can't give him the benefit of the doubt on that one at this point. Um, what, what do you call Lidstrom a classless European? I think it was that phrase, and I, I remember, <laughs> I remember hearing that and going, like Nicholas. Look, I appreciate Brad laying out that argument um, extremely diplomatically and, and very fairly, um, and I think he was generous to the side of people uh, defending Don Cherry, and I, I think that's a good way to to promote the conversation. I'm going to come out here with a little bit more of a firm opinion. The the dog whistle was strong on this one. Even if he wants to make the argument, like the, the, there's always this case of when people say shitty things like this, is they always uh, try to get away from it by making you argue semantics in these little nitty gritty details that actually aren't relevant to move the goalposts. Essentially, um, he didn't technically say immigrants. He never said you know uh, Syrian refugees or whatever it is. He never actually said it. He meant all people. The terminology, like the land of milk and honey. And you come here for our milk and honey and you want a better life and all that. All of that is directly, it is the only context in which that is used is about immigrants coming to this country. No one was fooled from the start. Everyone knew what it meant. Anyone who's given this half a second of thought or isn't entrenched in the deep debates that are happening on, on Twitter and Facebook, which, oh God, is it hard to watch, knows what was said. I've been avoiding them. Yes, as have I. I'm going to have to text Evan for the Facebook updates. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Look, I, I'm I said this on last episode. I actually I'm going to be candid here. I did a lot of cleaning up of what my comments were last episode because now me and Evan are no longer <laughs> the only ones who have been edited on this podcast. We have all been edited now um, because I felt like I didn't come through. I wasn't very well articulated. I, I did a lot more swearing than I wanted to. Uh, and I just like I wasn't I actually didn't know we were going to talk about it. And I was just exhausted. And I oh, you, no, you knew what we were going to talk about. It. You tried dodging it. <laughs> Don't get around it. Um, no, I, I just kind of, I do want to say, like, I grew up watching Don Cherry. Like, any kid who's grown up in Canada, any Canadian or immigrant has grown up watching Don Cherry. And I appreciate the magnitude of what he's done for the sport of hockey. Hockey is a game. These are people. You know, you might be saying that they shouldn't be so offended or blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that harmful. Okay, man, whatever. What's done is done. He's 85 years old. He's had a long, illustrious career. And then he promptly went on Tucker Carlson and, and Rebel Media after. So it's Done, like, buddy. It's like if, you, if you're going to keep up a facade, at least stick to it, right? Like what other indicator do you, you want to know that this was done in good or bad faith? Like, okay, I'm I'm... I'm tired. Like I'm genuinely exhausted and I know it's a, a crappy thing to do maybe for like standing up for what I believe in, but I've, I've just been backing out of the, the debates. I have not engaged anyone in it because I've just, I'm tired. I'm tired of it. And we, this has been coming from Don Cherry for a long time. So, um, you know, he was fired. I don't wish him any more ill will. I de- I stopped watching coach's corner. Anything other than like casually a long time ago. Um, and I want to go on record as saying, as I truly, truly, truly appreciate what Ron McLean did. I think Ron McLean caught a lot of flack. And like we mentioned in the last episode, that's not the person that Ron is. He, sh- I can understand where the anger was coming from, but anyone who knows Ron McLean knows that he is the- as good as they come. And he went on hometown hockey and he went on Twitter, um, and to offer that apology. I know Don Cherry didn't like that he did it, but 
it was the right thing to do. And it meant a lot for the people whose words that Don Cherry hurt or uh, the people who were hurt by Don Cherry's words. Mm-hmm. An ugly situation. Two more things on this uh, subject. One, uh, I, ju- I just need validation mm-hmm. that with the you people comment, I wasn't the only one whose mind immediately went to Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I killed Ryan. <laughs> oh God, I couldn't have been better timed. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? I've I've been referred to in like a very derogatory manner as you people a lot of times in my life, and I want you to know that that amount of levity is the only thing that makes it okay. <laughs> the fact that that movie came out is the only thing that can offer those moments at the smallest bit of comedy. And secondly, um, there's this Canadian talk show similar to The View called The Social. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people caught this because this is not getting nearly the coverage that Don Cherry did, obviously. But I still think it is. One of the hosts, I don't know her name, went on talking about the Don Cherry situation and then just straight up was prejudiced towards hockey players. Her whole rant was how hockey is for white privileged boys who are bullies. So why should anybody be surprised? And I don't... If anybody needs some re- re- like reprimanding here, she needs it. That needs to be a suspension, a uh, firing, a fine or something, because that is just as pigeonholing as what Don Cherry did. Like, you cannot segregate a group of people and say they're awful like Don did and get away with it. And this woman does it. But because she's on the other side of the argument, nobody's talking about it. So she's on the pro side of Don Cherry firing. So people are letting it go. Uh, yeah, no, that's not how it works. Just just because you're on the, in my opinion, the right side of the argument doesn't mean you can do that. Here's the thing. I I think this is where, oh my God, we're getting political. I think this is where we as society are are losing it. There's this notion, there's this like all or nothing view of if I disagree with something or a group of people or whatever, they're all extremely bad and terrible. And we just move the conversation outside of the realm of having some kind of reasonable discussion is hockey geared towards, you know, uh, privilege. Like hockey is an expensive sport and it's getting more expensive. And that's something we've talked about. And it's a problem in hockey that makes it inherently geared more towards young, uh, privileged white men. And that's just the reality of it. But just to put a blanket statement on every person to say that they're all as bad as what happened with what Don Cherry did, that's it's, what's productive of, with that. It's terrible. Like, and hockey is an expensive sport, but do you know who else has, who else in Canada does well for themselves, makes money, and then enrolls their, their kid in expensive things? Immigrants. Everyone so how, how can you be here. blanketing this? I have friend, Ryan, you're an example. Your family came over from Iraq and you played a high level of hockey growing up. Mm-hmm. But I th- are, are you don't look like a overprivileged white bully. No. It's weird how that works, huh? No, I'm a I'm a beige bully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't this, I don't even know this woman's name and I'm glad I don't. See, this is this is why I'm exhausted by it. Just no, there's no good faith conversation happening and I think this is one of those crappy situations where there just isn't going to be any. No, it's not. People are going to get angry. This is no different than politics. We have people on the one side, we have people on the other side. They're screaming at each other over extremes where the right answer is probably somewhere in the middle. And 
we're going to continue to overreact until eventually um, the asteroid ends it all. With any luck, Brad. With any luck. The asteroid TM. Um, what are they going to replace Coach's Corner with? And uh, is it going to be Steve? I, I said it'd be Steve. I'm like, more yelling, less racism. Everybody wins. <laughs> Everybody wins. <laughs> um, I... I I honestly thought Luongo would have been a hilarious choice, but until he, just, he just took an advisor job with Florida. I don't think we're going to see a coach's corner. I think we'll see another variation of the hot stove or something yeah. like that, which sucks Fine. because um, I, don't, I don't know if Ron McLean is going to be happy or sad about his new schedule because they could keep him off the hockey night in Canada broadcast now and to focus on hometown hockey because his hometown hockey his travel schedule is insane because he does hockey night in Canada Saturday night and then has to travel to wherever he's going Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, so that could be a plus. But then again, is it, man, doesn't feel like hockey night in Canada without Don Cherry. It'd feel even less like hockey night in Canada without Ron McLean. So yeah. they got, they got a lot of options to get creative here. I hope they don't phone it in. This is an opportunity for them to, like you obviously can never remove the context and obviously there's going to be controversy no matter who they pick, but there's a lot of talented young or old broadcasters and, and members of the media and analysts in Canada. And this is the biggest platform that can be given to them. You look at people like Jeff Merrick, who I think is one of the best podcast hosts and entertainers in the sport of hockey, maybe even in professional sports. I think he'd be a great fit there. There's so many people who'd, can do that and win the hearts uh, and souls of Canadians, young and old, and and people across uh, the hockey world. This doesn't have to be something that just sucks. It sucked for a long time now. This is a great opportunity to make the most of of a, a crappy situation. So I'm curious to see what they do. That being said, it's been a rough year for Sportsnet. It's been oh yeah. It has not been like between people leaving and firing people, and they've had to cut costs and. They might not have the kind of revenue that they need based on what they're paying for the TV contract. It's been a hard year. It's an opportunity for them to turn a corner, but I'm curious to see what they do. Um, notes around the league. What's happening with Ilya Kovalchuk? Nobody knows. Came out that he told, was told he's going to sit out of the roster for the next little while. For the foreseeable future. They're talking about trading him. They're talking about a mutual termination of his contract. They're talking about maybe trading him after his bonus kicks in in December. Kind of bizarre. And now he might. They're playing it day by day. He might play some games. He might not. It Has he been that bad? He's fourth on the team in points. So I'm going to say no. It's just the whole situation feels weird, right? Something's it, off. It's weird. McClellan's been sounding off on his team a lot about their effort, which is was always kind of one of Kovalchuk's bugaboos. They want to set a good example for the young guys, which I get. But from all accounts that have coming out, Kovalchuk's not been a problem. Attitude's been great. So I don't know. This is one of those things where we don't know for sure if anything's going on behind the scenes. Oh, but does it sure smell like there's something going on behind the scenes? LA is a weird team. They it said, is. Didn't they bench Tyler Toffoli a few games ago? Probably. It's kind of bizarre. And the way they've even handled their team, like you look at that roster, and arguably on paper, it's the only roster coming into the season that looked worse than Detroit's. And the moves that they made did not signal, hey, we're trying for a rebuild right now. And all they're doing by making putting all this crap out there publicly is lowering his trade value. He, he probably doesn't have any trade value right now. You probably have to give a sweetener to get rid of Kolchuk at this point. Yeah. 
Which, by the way, Eiserman, do it. Did you hear that rumor, uh, uh rumor that the Red Wings made a? It came off this like poorly translated Finnish article, but apparently, um, the Red Wings are in on Puljujarvi, or or because he's been tearing it up in Finland. Of course, they should be in on him. Reclamation projects, left, right, and center. What did I see? And this has no basis in reality, but because it didn't come from one, you know, NHL rumors dot garbage site dot org. Uh, I'm going to give this one some airtime. Um, what was it? Kasky in a 2022 first. No, God, no. Oh, my right? God. If, they, like if the lot. word first is anywhere in this conversation, I'm out. I'd do Kasky in a second. I wouldn't. If it came as late as 2022, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't. Not that Pugliarvi's had a huge sample size in the NHL. He's still young and he's doing well now. Here's the thing I want to point out. The the Finnish league's a, a steep drop from the NHL. You have the NHL, the KHL, probably even the AHL and the SHL all being above this league. So you're getting at best three steps removed from the NHL, at worst five or six steps removed from the NHL. If this guy's going to be a legitimate star in the NHL, he should be dominating this league. Now, he's performing very well there. But what he's doing, I would not classify as dominating. So when he comes back, even if he's playing as he is there, is he going to be a 50, 60, 70 point guy? Mm, I'd say no. Am I giving up a first round pick for a guy who's... No, not a first. No, absolutely not. Am I giving up a second plus? No. If there's a year where the Red Wings have two second round picks or they're pretty confident they'll be good in a few years, so it'll be a later second round pick and you wanted to take that gamble... I'd give the second straight up. If you wanted to throw in a sweetener, I would, but I don't think Kasky would be my sweetener. I would be going lower down the totem pole where I'm where I would do it, but still be slightly uncomfortable with it. If it was a second and let's say Giovanni Smith, I don't love the trade, but I could, I could handle it. If that makes sense. That That's about my limit. Anything beyond that, I I think the gamble in the second round pick is better than the gamble on Pugliarvi at this point. Um, Giovanni Smith. Is he the player, the new player that can do no wrong for the Red Wings? And I'm not harping the on Red the Red Wings guy. fan base or the Red Wings? The Red Wings fan base. Uh, yeah, because objectively, he's still not good. He like they, the fan base loves him. And I like the guy, too. Because he's the only guy who goes out of his way to fight, if yeah. I'm being honest. He's, Wit- he's new Witkowski, except he has some offensive ability. Um, yeah, I don't think he's like a problem on this team. I don't think any players being called up and sent down is inherently an issue on this team. Yeah, if just he, like if, when Erickson got called back up, like anyone who hates on that is like, well, what do you want, man? If he's our fourth line, like next winger for the next 12 years. Yeah, cool. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think he's fine in that role. Um, he fights. He fights. Yeah. Is he anything special? No. I'd rather Giovanni Smith fighting than Anthony Mantha, which they did a good job of yesterday. Hey, do you know who the last writing who could do no wrong was? Justin Applicator before he signed that contract. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's what makes me scared. Um, oh, Abdelkader's out for three weeks. He's out? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, mid, uh, mid-body mid injury, they're calling it, which is bizarre. What, did someone kick him in the junk? Maybe. Did he get lidstrumed? <laughs> uh, they'd call that lower body. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I got so many follow-ups for that. No, let's not do that. <laughs> Kovalchuk situation's weird. It's, oh, uh, and scary news. TJ Brody collapsed at practice. Having, uh, last update I saw was he was alert. 
responsive responsive when they were taken to the hospital after have not heard anything since so looked, yeah hoping for the best for him because from all reports it was a seizure yes they said he was like convulsing on the ice that was a lot that's ah, horrifying so i don't have any follow-up to that other than i wish him all the best because what else can you do in this situation yeah keeping him in our thoughts uh with that let's head over to um a little bit more of a positive note, or at least a crazier one. Uh, we're going to head over to Overtime, uh, which on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is sponsored by Motor City Garages. They're a family-owned and operated uh, business servicing Metro Detroit. They do everything from garage flooring, cabinets, overhead racks, wall storage, beautiful OT winners, and car lifts. Enough of the messy garages everyone is sick of walking through. It's time to turn it into something useful. Whether you'd like to work on your car or if you'd like an organized space, we have you covered. 3D designs and a lifetime warranty, Motor City Garages park in style uh we're gonna head over to patreon where our patrons get their comments read out uh you guys had an extended amount of time to uh get on patreon for this one because of my own idiocy so we will start out with as soon as this loads here we're gonna start out with antonio gracias he says hey guys been really enjoying this mini run of success we've been having and it's got me thinking what are some things slash places you go to that are your happy places you know stuff that helps you turn around a crap day read uh season wink wink when you really need to pick yourself back up thanks for everything and congrats to brad yet again miss out on the last few episodes so i'm getting mine in now thank you happy place oh man it's gonna be weird the shower i love the shower it's quiet no one talks to me and it's comfy i actually agree with that yeah just a long hot shower with the door locked yes no kids no kids no dogs no dogs no wife no wife Unless the kids are sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a wife. Oh, God. <laughs> um, the uh, apartment where we live in now is has like a gross shower, so I haven't taken a bath since I moved in there with Mel in July. But the house, we ripped out the gross old shower and are putting in a brand new tub, mm. extra tall, with a nice tile shower that we're doing. And I cannot wait. It, it was funny. Crystal and I just randomly, of all the times that you bring this up, Crystal and I were talking about it the other day, like baths and stuff like that, because I was very concerned when my shoulder went out. I'm like, I'm actually not fully sure how I'm going to properly wash myself. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, you could just have a bath. And it walked us down this rabbit hole. She's like, when was the last time you actually had a bath? Like, And I'm like, I don't think I've had a bath since my mom gave me one when I was like two or three. Are you serious? I've never, I have not had a bath as an They're adult. They're not bad, man. I, they, everything in theory sounds amazing about them. I've just never done it. <laughs> You're weird. <laughs> uh, Sean Chevarella says, hey, guys, we're winning. The dark days are behind us. Screw lottery talk. Let's start talking first round matchups. Okay, back to reality. This team is going to win too much and we're going to pick sixth, aren't we? Yes. Yes, we've absolutely determined that. Or we're going to win just enough to finish third and then get third last and then get bumped back three spots. Would you guys rather finish last and pick third or finish third last and pick sixth? Oh, finish last and pick third. In this draft? Yeah, finish last and pick third. Uh, Joseph Delia says, sup, my dudes. First of all, thank you, Ryan, for the passion and the anger that came from old man yells at cloud comments. As another tan boy with immigrant uh, immigrant grandparents, thank you. Yeah, you know what? I received a few of those messages, and I'm not going to lie, guys. That, it, it meant a lot. Um, I want to say it was easy for us to come out here and just like say what we said, but it's tough. We know we have a big audience. We know how, we have an audience with a lot of opinions, and... Um, something like this is extremely personal and 
hard to navigate. And so I really appreciate you guys saying that. We we all appreciate you guys saying that. Anyway, Cider is dummying guys who are trying to take runs at him, and I'm all for it. I'm on Team Tank, and with two lines now, are you guys scared we're headed for, uh, instead of a bottom three team, we place around sixth? Also, instead of the Howard trade talk, wouldn't we get a bigger return for Bernie if we retain salary for his last year after this one? Thanks, my dudes. I'm open to all options on trades. You consider everything. Uh, yeah, Cider is absolutely playing a great physical game, contributing on offense as well. Zadina is still on a tear. Who was it? Max was talking about... Was Max or Prashanth? Apparently, Cider is on pace to break a couple offensive AHL records right now. Yeah. Um, Rookie or 18-year-old defenseman. 18-year-old defenseman, total points mm-hmm. and points per game. He is on pace to break both, which is fantastic news because, remember, defense is his strong suit. That is... Honestly, like amazing news for the Red Wings. Not talking about, you know, where he was drafted, none of that. Like, this is exactly what the Red Wings need. Um, man, Zadina, for someone who's a noted bust, he's really just not playing like it. Yeah, five goals in seven games, which yeah. is great. Uh, and ev- and if you watch the goals, all of in different fashions. Which is what a goal scorer should do. He's He's getting to the center of the ice, which is what the Red Wings wanted to do. And he's getting a lot of goals from there. And like, cause there was a couple of the goals in the streak. People would comment, "Yeah, we banged in a rebound on the top of the crease into an empty net." Yeah, he was where the puck was gonna go. That's that's not a a bad thing. That's how most goals in hockey are scored. Yes, the Anthony Manthas of the world are um, the exceptions to the norm. Honestly, I feel like everyone, a lot of people, just watch like Jordan Everly's first game and watch his goal, and are like, that's how every goal is scored in the NHL, and that's it. Uh, Alex Zuko says, hey, guys, curious to hear your thoughts on whether we might see Fabry get some time at center of the season. I know Philpula seems to be coming alive centering him and Athens U, but long term, it sure seems like Fabry would be most valuable as a second or third line pivot. Cheers to you guys and a special shout out to Brad and Crystal, Crystal for welcoming young Henrik. P.S. Very high expectations for the quality of his beard in the future. Don't let us down, little man. His his genetics are working against him. Yeah, he does not have a lot going his way. Uh you know, Fabry has played center in the past, and I know when we initially traded for him, I was talking about possibly using him as center depth. Um, it quickly became apparent that most of his time recently has been at wing, and I think that's where they'll try to use him because right now the Red Wings really need that Athanasiu line to keep going because of Athanasiu, not because of production, for Athanasiu's sake. Um, do I think we have a chance to see him at center? I think so. That's not because he's, you know, overwhelmingly quick and able to play center right now but it's probably more because of who his coach is uh one injury or a couple injuries means we might have to the red wings might have to lean on him uh his game and skill set is better suited to the wing but that's just my opinion no i I agree with you i think that's the right call the red wings are playing rasmussen at center now which i don't know how i feel about but they're trying it so let's assume it and valeno's the center there's no need at this point to push fabry into the middle Harun Khan says, hey, guys, great winning streak we got going. I was just wondering while watching the games, like, is it just me or is Bowie consistently messing something up? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, no, that's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he's contributed offensively, but I mean, defensively, I can't help. But he's like, uh, I feel like the opposition is about to do something when he's on the ice. Also, what do you think we can fetch for Howard if traded? Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, Uh, Bowie has. He is what we thought he was. Ungood. He sometimes redeems it with a, a great offensive play, but defensively, like. I cannot think of how much worse it can get. I mean, no one can be surprised. It can get worse. 
Uh, you know, that's true. That was dramatic, but not much. We've <laughs> been watching the Red Wings for a while, Ryan. We, it can get worse. Howard right now, I cannot see fetching more than a fourth. Uh, fourth was what immediately came to my mind. And even that, I think you would have to do some pretty slick negotiating to get up to that. Austin Trotman says, please make, please make a way to uh, have an early prediction of who will finish first the season and who will be traded at the deadline. Oh, first in the league? Yeah. Uh, in the NHL? Um, Edmonton Oilers because nothing makes sense. <laughs> Uh, for the overall NHL, I'm going to make a very boring answer here, but based on the way they've looked this season, Washington. John Carlson is on fire. Yeah, and they have, what, three regulation losses right now? Um, two. They're 14, two, and four. Wow. And what was the other part of that question? Um, who's going to be traded at the deadline? For I'll, the Red Wings? I don't know if anyone will. There'll be someone at Seisman's way. Green, um, I actually think this is a... Green will have... Uh, someone will be interested. We just won't get a return. It doesn't mean people won't want him. I'll say Green goes and... Hot take. No, it's stupid. It's stupid even for a joke. I was going to say Abdelgator or Nielsen, but there's no way. There's literally no okay. way. Okay. Legitimate answer. By, based on the way Eisenman operates, Mike Green and Darren Helm. Oh, I can see both of them. Helm's having a great season, and he's only got a year and a half left, and Detroit could comfortably eat half his salary on that one. Yeah. So if you're a team in a spot to contend, Darren Helm at $2 million doesn't look bad. Edmonton. Helm has a good connection with Ken Holland. Yep. Ken Holland loves Helm. Holland also loves Green. They could that Those are two holes in Edmonton's lineup that Holland would perceive as being filled with those guys. I could see Dave Tippett liking Helm, but not Green. That's very valid. Fair. Um, but yeah, no, Helm, uh, the Oilers are so thin at forward. Helm makes a lot of sense. I mean, Athanasiu makes more sense, but... Athanasiu will fetch a high price. If if teams are knocking on the door for Athanasiu, Eisenman's not going to give him up for nothing. And I'm just going to throw this out there now. Unless there's a hefty sweetener coming from Edmonton, I'm not for a Pugliarvi Athanasiu trade. No, no, no. No, no. Edmonton's no. throwing like a Tyler Benson or a high pick back our way. Uh, Stan Olson says, "Hey guys, hope all is well." I'm gonna say so, uh, I'm gonna name some players, and you say if they're Hall of Fame worthy or not. Ooh, oh, is this because Down Gross Brown posted that today? Oh, maybe I haven't read it. It was it was beautiful, like always. Eric Stahl. Oh goddamn it! That's what are Eric Stahl's stats? I'm gonna say no. It's not the Hall of Very Good. Eric Stahl. Uh, I'm going to have to think about that one. Mm. Uh, how many? What's if, his? If Patrick Eliash isn't in, I can't see Eric Stahl getting in. Eric Stahl has almost a thousand points in 1200 games. Olympic gold, Stanley Cup. And he does. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to revise yeah. my answer. Yeah. He's got to go in. That's better than I thought. I thought he was around 800 points. So. Mark, Mark Andre Fleury, undoubtedly. Yes. Yes. Um, Rick Nash. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because of back half his career. Longevity and he only had a couple what we would call dominant seasons. Corey Perry. He's got a heart. He's got a heart trophy. He's, He's got, got a, a cup. cup. Got gold medal. I'm going to say yeah. Yeah. he'll sne- Not first ballot. And I can't stand him. Ryan Getzlaff. Yeah. I think. I know. I know Sean made the case for and against Getzlaff today, but I fall onto the four. And there's a little bit of Canadian bias there. Um, Carey Price, without a doubt. Easily. Andre Kopitar. Yes. And Shea Weber. Yeah, I think all these yeah. guys, yeah. yeah. Uh, lastly, what's a funnier show, Letterkenny or Trailer Park Boys? Letterkenny. Man, Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, Trailer Park Boys is 
quality, but uh, Letterkenny hits too perfectly to my sense of humor. Uh, Yako Ruta says, hello and good day. The sun isn't shining here, but boy, does three wins for the Red Wings make up for it. This makes me happy, but not too happy. Weird hoping for your team to lose and yet being happy for your team's success. Overall, would you put Hiroshi to the AHL and say get Pumple to be up to be the 13th forward? I don't know. Pumple's kind of carrying Grand Rapids right now. <laughs> I would. I think Hiroshi should go to the AHL no matter what, just to kind of maybe pull things together there. I really don't care who they. Bring I don't up. think he looked bad at the NHL level. Um, I don't think he's been doing what he can do though. No, he can't. This is when I remember but my skepticism all... before the season. This is what I was worried about. But here's the thing that like we can't ignore. It's a little simplistic to just say, but the dude is tied for eighth on in team scoring right now. So it's not like he's been completely invisible. Like say an Adam Ernie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, There's, again, if you wanted to pull Perlini or Ernie off of the third line and throw Hiroshi in there right now, I'm all for it. I, I would pull Ernie off or at least demote him to the fourth line and throw Hiroshi in there because then at least someone on the third line has a point. Uh, David Withers says, hey, guys, first time commenting after becoming a patron earlier this year. Dave, thank you, David, thank you so much. Uh, I'm curious of your thoughts about giving our prospects more than nine games in the NHL to burn a year of their ELCs and get them closer to their next contract and hopefully getting them a little cheaper. Burning a year this year would not be a problem for Cider and Vleno and Zadina because they would be considering first and second year players with the expansion draft and we would not have to protect them. I know Prashant has mentioned this option before. Yeah, this has become a lot more popular in the NHL. The 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 notion has kind of switched towards have flexing either way, burning the year early because you know that RFA contract will be cheaper. And that's driven because of RFAs demanding heftier contracts. Um, and I think there's a lot of merit to that. There is. And here's what it boils down to. How certain are you this guy is a star? And I'm not talking about Zadina, Sider, Vleno specifically. I'm talking in general. Because in the situation Kale McCarr was in with Colorado, that dude was walking to Colorado on the heater of all heaters after just, I don't mean being good, dominating the NCAA. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt this guy was going to be a superstar, so they wanted to get him onto a new contract as soon as possible. So if they extend him a year before, they're only basing that on this off this one season. So they can take all the risk in the world and be like, yep, yeah, we'll give you a long term at this dollar and get him on a steal because they know. It's not, ah, hopefully this guy is as good as we think. No, they know. The reason you wouldn't do this is if you don't know what you have in a prospect is and you want as much of a sample size as you can get. And unfortunately, now referring specifically to the wings, I think Valeno, Zadina, and Sider are all big wild cards. I think the only guy that I can say with certainty out of the three of them is that's going to be a valuable player at his position for a long time is Sider. I, was I would say, bet on Zadina and Valeno, but I'm not betting a five, six, seven-year contract on them right now. I was going to say Cider would be a good one to burn. Here's the, here's the, a counterpoint to what you said. Would you not want to take that risk and assume that a player like Zadina will take a little bit longer to develop, which is what he's indicated so far. So you get that first contract sooner, and all of a sudden he hits his peak partway through that very cheap contract. Because for every success story, there's a very similar... There's three very similar failures. Do you know what player coming up through the CHL looked, played, and had a very similar season to Philip Zadina when he got drafted? And I I don't mean to be be an insult because I don't think Philip Zadina is going this way, but his scenario reminds me an awful lot of Nail Yakupov. Oh, Brad. Same type of player and everything. A curse unto you. I'm just saying, I think Philip Zadina is going to be 
on the other side of the spectrum there. But for that reason, because I don't think any of us thought Yakupov would be a bust. Imagine getting tied to a seven-year contract at like $6 million to him. Yeah. You can't. You just can't. Now, again, it's if you know, you know. If you don't, you can't. That's what this all boils down to. I don't want to say that most cider is definitely going to be a Red Wing next year. Um, he lot. should be. I by right right now it's projecting that way. I would love it if the Red Wings burned his year. Yeah, I really so I, would. Out of the three, the three big prospects the Red Wings had, cider would be the one I would burn. Plus, it just makes the season more. Plus, fun. he's a defensive defenseman. He's going to come in naturally cheaper anyway. He's the guy that could be shaping up to just be on an unbelievably good contract. Uh, like a, I'm just thinking of Vlasic. Like, I was thinking of Lindholm. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of good contracts you can make. Yeah, I was from. thinking of like a Hampus Lindholm type contract. Because don't doesn't Anaheim have him long term sub six million? I think so. <laughs> yes, please. Uh Eddie says, Hey guys, so when I see that we have to deal with Abby, three points, locked up until Larkin's next contract until the twenty three twenty four season, and Franz locked up until the twenty two twenty three season, he has zero points. Which contract seems worse at the moment? Uh feel free moment of signing feel free to bring up other contracts at the moment of signing it was abdicator it was abdicator by a long shot at this point it's still abdicator at this point because abdicators is longer and he's not as good nielsen being at a zero is a bit fluky he's not a zero point player he's not good but nobody's a zero point player no, but I think this is a continuation of nielsen's severe drop off last at the end of last season but at this point I'm just going to unload the longest contract, and that's Abdelkader. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Kern says, hey, boys, I drove out to the Griffins game in Cleveland on Tuesday. Uh, relatively calm game. Got very exciting during the last minute. First, the Monsters scored with an extra attacker to tie it. Then Valeno scored off a Zadina rebound to put the Griffs ahead. Really awesome way to end the game. Rasmussen and Hicketts looked real good. Zadina and Valeno and Sider didn't really stand out for me, but still played well. The player who stood out in a bad way was our old friend Jonathan Erickson, who may have been on uh, for both goals against, definitely won, and got burned a couple times. I also found it interesting that there's a guy on the Monsters named Nathan Gerby who stands five foot four not to dump on the guy but do you think he's the shortest player to play in the nhl he's not i know that but i know uh, we know who nathan Gerby yeah, is. he's been kicking around for a while yeah buffalo would, he has a he has um a, a tweener goal to his record in the nhl mm-hmm. yeah nathan gerby's been kicking around I, I wonder who the shortest player is ever oh he i can't imagine he'd be close there's he, probably some like Five foot one dude from like the 1920s. Yeah. Rowan says, good day, dud duds. Is it too early to be discussing a Robbie Fabry as a genuine heart trophy candidate? Uh, no, it's too late. It's already been decided as Fabry. So foolish, really. Be curious to get your thoughts on that. Really excited to see that second line come alive. Also enjoying Heronic being heaps good. Do you expect this form to continue or is this one of the blips? Somewhere in the middle. I think expecting this kind of consistency from a line that's centered by Valtteri Filippula is a little bit optimistic. But I do think these are really good hockey players coming together and playing good hockey. So I think it'll come and go. The top line is a top 10 line in the league. The second line is probably still in the bottom 10 of the NHL, but it's getting closer to 10th worst than actual worst. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bottom six is probably the worst in the NHL. Uh, The defense is still a real bad. So are the Red Wings getting blown out by four goals every game bad? No, but are they continually beat Vegas, Boston and, Anaheim good? Uh, no. <laughs> is Blatchel getting better or is the players doing the things? The players is doing the things. Surely Eisenman is a sorcerer. That's without a doubt. Uh, and how about those Griffins? Continuing to see Zadina fill the net with pucks is ace. Outstanding play by hashtag German Lidstrom makes me Ser Glucklick. 
play by uh, play by hashtag must see JV seems to be picking up after a slow start acclimation period. See if you can decipher uh, the cryptic messages in this post proudly brought to you by Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, a Fournier company and not for use by cops. Brad. Jersey time. Since we're dealing with the diehard Dallas Stars fans, what has been the best Dallas Stars jersey? Ooh. It Again, is, are we counting Minnesota here, the North Stars? Because the early 90s North Stars are king. If it's not the North Star, it's the one or the bottom of the jersey. With that one? Star. Okay. Uh, might not be the most popular opinion, but I'm a fan of simple jerseys done well. Oh, boy. The late 90s Stars, when they just had the black jerseys with the white bar with the two green stripes on either side. Thin green stripes? Uh, Beautiful. That. Beautiful. Oh, and the secret message here, if you read the first letter... Of the each line is Brad is a cop. <laughs> uh, Chris Stingline says, "Hey, hey, all happy to be uh, happy to finally be a patron." Uh, Chris, thank you so much for your support. My first question is this: After listening to the Rock Bottom episode and hearing the talk about how Zadina is currently a bit of a disappointment, and I agree, what do you think all the GMs who passed on him saw that Holland either didn't see or didn't think was that big of an issue? I'm looking back over the draft picks. The first four are definitely providing more to their current teams. Hayton I have not kept track of, but strictly since I haven't heard about him, makes me think that he's in the same boat as Zadina. But for reference, Buffalo got Deline, Sveshnikov to Carolina, Kotkaniemi to Montreal, Kachuk to Ottawa, and Arizona got Hayton. P.S. is pronounced Stangline. Germans, right? Ah, I got it. Anyways, you can go. Um, okay, so here's the thing that I always pay attention to that often gets lost in the draft. Um... And it's going to be especially relevant because there's more than a few of them coming up in this draft. Birthdays. Philip Zadina was a year older than everybody in his draft year. He was more developed, so of course he dominated the queue as he should have. People always compared his numbers to Nico Heischer's in the queue, and what often got overlooked on that was Heischer was a year younger when he did it, even though it was both of their draft years. Brad has company over to yeah. see the baby. And the dogs are going nuts upstairs. So, of course, Zadina would dominate more. Now, you can't ever use age as a reason to exclude a guy from drafting him that high because even though he should have dominated the queue, he did dominate the queue. Yeah. So he did what he was supposed to do. Um, but did he dominate it to the point where um, an 18-year-old should have? Maybe, maybe not. But stuff like that is very relevant to note, because the Kotkaniemis and the Svechnikovs of the world had a full year to develop after they were drafted to catch up to Zanina, right? Yeah. In theory. So that might have been the big concern because really going looking at Zadina's scouting reports, there weren't flaws in his too many flaws in his game. Uh, Matt Chaney says, hey, boys, as of late, I'm astounded at how fast hockey has grown in Germany. I'm frightened as a Canadian who loves watching Canada win that within the next couple decades will end up like England with football. Football is England's sport, but they haven't taken home the cake in a long, long time. How long do you think it will take before we get more than the big five hockey countries taking home gold, Canada, Sweden, Finland, Russia, and the USA? I mean, the Czechs have won some. The Czechs. I think Germany's. Germany, it'll be 10 to 20 years because these aren't quick. Like It it has to start at a grassroots level, which it is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and and you see the Tim Stoitzels of the world coming up now, and the Moritz Siders, and there's got there's got to be more of them. There can't be a couple. It has to be. We got to start seeing three, four, five, six Germans in the first round every year. And because hockey will never be the biggest sport in Germany, it's an uphill battle. I think they'll get into the mix of relevancy in maybe a decade or two, but it's it's not going to be quick. Although, side note, I found something out that makes me really unhappy from the scouting side of our things. 
Did you know that uh, Germany had a 16-year-old kind of like travel team that used to go on Goodwill tours and play junior A, B, and C teams from Canada every year? And Tim Stoitzel played uh, two or three games in our region last year. Really? Yeah, he he missed it. He played, I think it was the Siskins, the Dutchman, and the Listable Cyclones. Ah. Uh, he also says, have you guys been to the Yeti Cafe in Kitchener, Killer, Killer Sandoz? I have been once. I had a collared green wrap. The collared, it, it was wrapped with a rubber band. So I've heard great things about the Yeti Cafe, but that was the most atrocious sandwich I've had in my entire life. Uh, where, I don't even know where this is. I've never heard of it. It's in it's in Kitchener. Thank you, Ryan. I gathered that. David McKinstry says, hey, I'm torn between riding my personal hype train over a three-game win streak and being upset that we might ruin the tank again. Talk me down, boys. Let's go Red Wings. Go Pack Go. Oh, yeah, you tricked me. Bastard. Like talking about Athens to you, the law of averages always works out. You, It's going to be too long of a season to get hung up on losses. Uh, just enjoy the wins. Matt McKay says, good day, boys. I hope your weeks are going well and hope that the new baby is letting Brad get some sleep. Just want to know what your favorite style of beer was. I'm a stout and porter guy, but I like a good IPA when you need something strong to get through the season. Thanks for all that you guys do and hope you have a great week. Cheers. Thank you, Matt. Um, it's a, I know they're not the most popular, but I love sours. But in terms of just like everyday beers, uh, wheat beers are great. I love a good like just... A good session beer, like a good blonde or something I can crush a lot of. I like darker beer better. Give give me a good lager. Not quite a stout, but just good brown ale. Everett Johnson says, how to play the Wingfield podcast drinking game. Take a shot every time someone uses the words objectively or legitimately. If you're still conscious at the end of the episode, you win. <laughs> Please don't play that. <laughs> I'm very aware of what happened once L- you say Legitimately, it. you will die. Yes. Objectively, that's a terrible idea. Philip Gassino says, hey, boys, I have a little insight on something I've been meaning to share with you guys but haven't had the time. It's about Eiserman's willingness to get rid of people that not only the organization has an attachment to, but he does as well. As we heard, Regula's dad was the team dentist, but there's more. Alec Regula went to a school called Cranbrook. It's a private school from grades 1 through 12. You know who's el- who else was in his class for those 12 years? Steve Eiserman's daughter. Tag Bertuzzi was also in the same class, son of Todd. The school is pretty close-knit where all the parents know each other as well as all the kids. Point is, Eisenman had a personal attachment to this family and knew them very well and still traded the guy for Perlini. Hope you guys are doing well and stay fresh cheese bags. Ruthless. He's objectively ruthless. Uh, that's actually really interesting insight. Thank you, Philip. Uh, Brett S. Said, says, since trades have been all the rage lately, I have a few tr- uh, trade questions slash scenarios. With our cap situation being what it is, would it make sense to trade for Dustin Bufflin? He is someone who is hurt, could be stashed on IR or even better long-term IR next season if need be when Franzen's contract comes off the books. Not that I think we could get 2014 draft pick Nikolai Ehlers uh, included in the trade, but maybe a pick to take on his salary. Are there any other players we should be looking at to possibly possibly uh, utilize our cap space as a weapon for draft picks? Kovalchuk. Um, Bufflin's not a burden to the Jets from a cap because they suspended him. He does not count against their cap. And the the talking point is they are hoping to get him to play. The argument is, though, because of his injury and his subsequent surgery, he may come back and argue that he should be paid because injured players still have to be paid. But until that is proven and happens, he's not against Winnipeg's cap. Uh, but that might. Uh, Kovalchuk is the one I would be looking at right now to take on. Because why not? It'd be fun. Uh, for pure chaos in the league, can we see coaches traded for a change of scenery? Blashill for John Hines or Babcock for John Cooper type scenarios. Thanks, guys. Oh, I'm, man. I'm here for it. It'll never happen, but I'd love it. 
as long as they're yeah, as long as they're making big money like the players, I think that's fair game. Dude, I'm all for every trade. If we want to trade our coach for an assistant GM on another team or this GM for a vice president, let's do it. Let's get crazy. Let's get weird. Joseph Fournier says, do 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 do. Time for Athens CU one for one trade. Today's con- contestants. Would you trade Athens CU for Erho Vakaninen? No. Zach Whitecloud. No. Nicholas Bodin. No. Dante Fabro. No. Alexandra Alexiev. No. Adam Fox. Maybe. That's my first maybe, too. Ryan Lindgren. No. Jet Wu. No. Connor Timmons. No. Tobias Bjornfoot. No. Dominic Bach. No. Vitaly Kravtsov. Eh, we're getting there. No. Joel Farabee. That might be intriguing enough for me. At this point, no. But uh, let's see how the next few months go. Sarah Noel. No. Gabe Velarde. No. Alec Regula. <laughs> no. Uh, great round. Changing things up next time. My apologies to anyone offended by Don Cherry's remarks. If anyone out there is defending him, please keep in mind that the remarks you people come here in Milk and Honey may be subject to interpretation in separate instances. The phrase that Don Cherry said that included each one is, in fact, a very racist statement. Don Cherry knows damn well what he said and what he meant. And once and for all, he can kindly fuck off for hopefully the last time. Cheers, my friends. Let's enjoy the win streak while it lasts in our third year in a row drafting six overall stay fresh cheese bags. Thank you, as always, Joseph Fournier. Garrett TV says, hey, hockey amigos, I had an idea for a comment slash game, but holy furk, there are a lot of posts today, so I'll save it for another time. Instead, a recommendation for a future topic. Perhaps we start to explore the Red Wings RFA situation. There's a lot of names on the RFA docket. We've added two more in Fabry and Perlini. Maybe a Patreon-exclusive topic to discuss roster implications, cap space, etc. It'll take a bit of prep and maybe a guest appearance. May I recommend a gentleman named Maxwell Boltman? Solid guy, writes for The Athletic, covers wing stuff, has a podcast, UM grad. I'm sure y'all would really hit it off. Cheers, let's go Red Wings. That's actually a great idea for both a segment and um, a Patreon exclusive. Once things resettle and I'm no longer building a house and Brad is uh, settled with his shoulder and a baby and Evan's back, things should start to normalize where we can start to do those things again. And we will. The, the second ep- the bonus episodes and the live streams will be in full force by December at the latest. Yes. Which we are very excited for. Um, if you guys have suggestions for segments, you know us, we constantly want to be improving the show. We bought a damn house to get a better space for it. So you tell us what you want and we'll do it. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode because Brad has company upstairs and the dogs are not complying with the no noise policy. We want to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, uh, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, um, Hannah Lee, Jacob Turner, John Evans, Kalen Wood, Langabeer, Luke Johnson, Matt McKay, uh, Jacob Turner, did I say Jacob Turner? Yeah. Matthew M. Rice, Mike Reed, Rob Thiel, Ryan Lewis, Sean Levine, uh, Simon Anderson. Thank you again for those Russian nesting dolls. And Stan Olson. Thank you, guys. We will see you on Sunday after the last two games of this West Coast Road Swing. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.